0: Welcome to the WRSU crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. 6.04 p.m. on this Monday evening, nice night, a little cold, but... uh... It's all right in here, inside the College Avenue it's studio. It's nice,
1: warm, and toasty, I'll tell you Warm that
0: and toasty. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Monday crew, Moshe Gulubchik. Alex Carminati, Alec Outhamel, here with you. Going to break down the world of sports as it pertains to Rutgers and whatever else is in the news. But we're going to start right here on the banks of the old Raritan, gentlemen. And we're going to start in Jersey Mike's Arena on Saturday uh-huh. as the Scarlet Knights... Put a dominant defeat up against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, 81 to 57. They really needed that comeback win after the back-to-back last-second losses to Ohio State and Seton Hall, and boy, did they get it! Well, Mo, Mo,
1: first off, guys, great to be w- great to be with you here. New week, Monday crew, whole new shebang going on, but. Um, that is a much needed win. That's that's a light way of putting it. They really, really, really needed that victory. And if they somehow lost away Forest, the narratives today and this week upcoming, leading up to the Bucknell game that's going to happen Friday, also at Jersey Mike's Arena at five Eastern. Of course, WRSU will have live coverage of it. Um, that if they lost the game on Saturday, with the Jersey Mike's crowd and with everything going on, we would have serious doubts about what this team could do in January, at least to begin January, and to move on going forward. Maybe they'd be able to pull it around, and and, and I think they still will, but losing to Wake Forest and losing four out of five in a really, five game, uh, really tough five-game stretch, that would not look good regarding an NCAA tournament resume, and if they lost, that could have hurt them even more. But that's not the narrative. They won. A great comeback win after two tough losses. You can blame the refs on Ohio State. Say whatever you want, but that happened, and then the Seaton Hall loss was all on Rutgers' offense. It was absolutely abysmal to watch and listen to. Exactly, exactly. It was it it was abysmal to go along with. But we saw what Rutgers can do when they're in the right state of mind, when all the noise and all the background and all the you know narratives are outside of the back pocket and cleared of their mind. We know what they can do against any team. And we saw that Saturday afternoon in Piscataway at Jersey Mike's Arena. They won 81-57. Look, Wake Forest ain't great. Rutgers, you know, that's a great bounce-back win following the Seton Hall loss. And Seton Hall's not great either, and Rutgers played awful versus them. But when they're on their mojo and they're on their A game, Rutgers is deadly. And they were deadly, and they put a final nail in the coffin to Wake Forest this past Saturday. 81 points, and in both of those halves, they scored over 35 points altogether. So the fact that they were able to do that, thankfully, they had the week to really get back in the swing and get their, you know, head head back around and get the past, you know, out of their brain. But they did it. They got the job done. That's a massive win for this Rutgers team. And look, you can say whatever you want about the Miami loss, and you can say whatever you want about Ohio State, and you can write a whole novel about Seton Hall and how bad that was. But the fact that they got that win versus Wake Forest, and they still are the father of Indiana, that plays a role. That definitely helps this definitely. team. And again, maybe the, maybe the Seton Hall loss hurts a little bit, but if they're able to beat Coppin State and Bucknell, and they're able to start strong in Big time play, whether away from home or at Jersey Mike's Arena, that Seton Hall loss will be in the back pocket. We're not going to remember that by the time we hit March.
0: Absolutely. And especially to almost double your, well, the point total they put up against Seton Hall. They put up 43 in that abysmal game against Seton Hall last Sunday and 81 yeah. on Saturday. To almost double that performance right. and have five players, including four of your starters, put up double figures. <clears throat> yeah, um, that's that's what Rutgers needed. They right. needed to get back into their mojo. You know, just start pounding nails and just put away a team that, you know, honestly, if Rutgers had lost to a team that came into this game eight and three, you kind of understand it, but. They came out firing, like you said. They put up forty three. They were, they came out of out of the first half with a ten point lead, and left with a, a twenty four point lead. You know that's that's a huge win mm-hmm. for the Scarlet Knights, and it could not have come at a better time for this team. That is so true, Alec. Especially as they get into conference play next next month,
1: Alec. One thing for me, and we needed two games from two very good games with Cam Spencer and Cliff Amari, and Alec, we got that. Cam Spencer, against a Power 5 team, finally shined. 15 points, great, solid performance. Cliff Amoria bounced back with 14 points and 9 rebounds. Those two guys who were struggling the majority of this whole slide against Ohio State, against Seton Hall, against even Indiana to a certain extent, even though they did not, you know, contribute to the positive moments and the negative moments of that run. They stepped up against Wake Forest. That's a big massive sign and hopefully that will motivate these guys to be who they have to be and who, who and be who they want to be especially come January.
2: Yeah, the, the one thing I said when that buzzer sounded uh, when the game ended I said that felt good because it, it really was. It you know, it wasn't completely stress free. I mean, it, it got a little close here and there. But Rutgers really controlled the game throughout, and Cam Spencer, like you said, had a really good game, 15 points, 3 assists, 2 steals, Right. Um, and probably the most encouraging part was he shot 100% from the entire field. Shot 5 of 5 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, and 3 of 3 from the free throw line. That's
1: a performance he needed and exactly. his whole team needed. Exactly. Yeah, we needed, needed to
0: see that out of Cam Spencer. Like yeah. you said, Alex, he did well in the non-con schedule at the beginning of the season, but he struggled against power conference teams because the power five conferences are very strong, mm-hmm. and, you know, coming from Loyola, Maryland, where the competition level is not the same as the Big Ten. Now, I know Wake Forest is not a Big Ten team, but... Uh, it's still a power five. It's cool. Mm-hmm. The ACC, no slouch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another
2: person who I thought had a nice bounce-back game was Paul Mulcahy. I yeah. Mean, he, the stats didn't look bad after after Seton Hall, but watching the game, it looked like he was kind of out of sorts. Uh, he tried to make some passes that he shouldn't have, turned the ball over a few times. Um, But, I mean, against Wake Forest, 10 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, 3 of 5 from the field, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. It was an efficient performance, and it really felt like he was back in control of the offense, and that's what they needed.
1: No, for sure. And, I mean, I, I look more at the numbers now. I didn't realize Cam Spencer only played 19 minutes. But even in those 19 minutes, that was very, very predominantly needed, and that put Rutgers over the hump in many ways in that short period of time. With that in mind, and if Cam Spencer can build upon this versus Bucknell and and Coppin State, How much confidence can he get? How much more playing time can he get if he does very well in these next two games? And then come, you know, Big Ten play against the likes of Purdue, Maryland, Iowa, Northwestern to kick off that Big Ten slate of things, Ohio State as well on January 15th. When it comes to Big Ten play, can we see him getting a little bit of more time or can he get that same 19, 25-minute range maybe where it might be a short period of time to a certain extent, but he's putting up just enough to get this team over the hump?
2: yeah and uh, another thing that i noticed was i i don't know if i was expecting a slow start or i was i was unsure of what we were going to see especially at the start but they came out they came out firing they came out fired up uh, they forced a lot of turnovers in the first few minutes. They made Wake Forest call a timeout pretty much a minute into the game. And that was interesting because Tyree Appleby, their Wake Forest leading scorer, was a game-time decision coming into the game. He had a nasty ankle sprain uh-huh. in their win against uh, Appalachian State a couple days before they came to Piscataway. And his status was up in the air. We weren't really sure if he was going to play. And he was going through warm-ups without an ankle brace. We were thinking, like, all right, I guess this guy's going to go, and that's what happened. Uh, and I was thinking, like, pregame, you know, the fact that he's another one of their lead ball handlers and an electric scorer, he averages almost 20 points a game, well, less after after Saturday. All right, to <laughs> Is that going to is that gonna affect their defensive strategy or is that going to kind of throw them off a little bit? It absolutely did not. They, they shut down Appleby. They put Caleb McConnell on him, and he did an excellent job mm-hmm. containing him and not letting him get any drill penetration, get any driving kick opportunities, although they did get a few because, you know, Wake Forest is a good offensive team. They get some really nice passes. They're a really good three-point shooting team. Uh, but Tyree Appley was held to ten points in just twenty in twenty six minutes on three of five shooting. Uh, he also fouled. He also committed four fouls and four turnovers. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a surprise to see him play. I know I was surprised after the nature of his ankle injury. I didn't see the injury. What exactly I didn't see took it. place? It, I didn't see the injury either, but I saw him coming off the floor. He couldn't put any weight on his ankle. Oh wow! So I was thinking, wow, he might be out for the next like week or two. Um, but a couple of days later, he he's, you know, suited up and ready to go and in the starting lineup. And playing 25 minutes. Exactly. And he probably would have played more if he didn't start picking up fouls. He was basically benched uh, once he picked up his fourth foul, which was about, like, what, 10 minutes left in the game, I believe? All right. about right. Yeah. Um, so I thought they responded really well to something, you know, that could have thrown them off as, like, an unexpected addition by Wake Forest.
0: Yeah. And speaking of players getting in foul trouble... You know, nice to see Cliff Amore not racking up four fouls of his own. We've seen that happen too many times this season. Right, right. But, you know, worth noting, with that win against Wake Forest, Rutgers is now 7-1 and one in Jersey Mike's Arena, just showing that the rack is a dangerous place to be a road team. Yeah. Because you get the fans in there, you get them loud, Uh, I wasn't in the arena on Saturday, but I'm sure the crowd was fired up, you know, needing a win. Were you there,
2: Alec? I was, yeah. I thought it was a pretty good crowd.
0: I'm I'm sure it was, you know, a hyped-up crowd, and you you can't—you can't—it's hard to compete in such an arena. I mean, we've Mm -hmm. seen the likes of Jaden Ivey and, you know, other Power 5 players who have gone on, you know, to succeed in the NBA— talk about how difficult it is to play right, right. in Jersey Mike's arena. Right. Um, I was just there yesterday. Of course, you know, wonderful arena, a mm-hmm. um, little small for a Big Ten arena, but it's one of the smallest for a reason. I mean, that's one of the smallest. North-
1: Northwestern is the smallest with 5,000 for a Big Ten basketball school. But we mentioned Jersey Mike's and all of that. Their first road game of the 2023 calendar and their first Big Ten game to kick off January is against Jay and Ivy's old school in West Lafayette.
0: And, and Mackey Arena is no joke.
1: Ma- no, I mean, Jersey Mike's has its own atmosphere. Mackey Arena is a whole nother ball game. I a know a, a whole other different level so when it comes to you know having and again we've said this a lot that Rutgers has to form their own energy their own stamina their own type of play they can't rely on the crowd too much and I'm not sure how much they relied on, on the crowd on Saturday Alec you would you would be able to tell me more than any of us here because you were there but this performance on Saturday is a very solid performance Cliff with 14 and 9 Caleb McConnell, great defense, 33 minutes, 13 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. Paul Mulcahy, 10 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, 33 minutes. You have Cam Spencer, 15 points in 19 minutes. Derek Simpson, we can talk about him in a little bit. 26 minutes, only 7 points, not that great. And you can tell Simps- Simpson's getting more time than the upperclassman in Cam Spencer. And even though he got the more time, Simpson didn't put up as much points Uh uh I- Andre Hyatt, 10 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 24 minutes altogether. When it comes to playing in Purdue and playing at Northwestern and even playing at Michigan State and Iowa in January, my concern still is to a certain extent how is Rutgers going to translate this type of game everywhere? And we seem to have the, you know, you know, the uh, facade that one game at Jersey Mike's Arena, they play great, they're going off, they win by double digits, they're playing phenomenal, right? The crowd's on their side, the crowd's cheering them up, this team is everywhere, they're controlling the entire game, the entire scenario, they win by a large margin. But the next time you turn around it's back to good old Rutgers where it's either they're barely winning games or they're losing in really bad fashion. So we don't want that to happen, and it's probably not going to happen versus Bucknell and Compton State, although you never know, and we, God forbid— We also didn't expect Lafayette st- yet last year. No, it's true. God forbid it gets to that spot one more time. But my thing is, is that in these next two games, whatever you did on Saturday— that has to translate. It really has to translate against these mid-major teams. And you should be beating the living, you know, what out of them this upcoming winter break and during that time. But when you hit January 2nd and you're traveling out to the Midwest and you're playing Indi- uh, you know, you're playing Purdue in Indiana and you have that first Big 10 game of the 2023 slate and the first game of the 2023 season altogether, and it's all Big 10 from there. You have to find a way to translate everything into that. Because Indiana was phenomenal. That was a great win versus the Hoosiers at home. But the next game, the first half was sloppy. The second half was great. They lost on a very controversial call. The next game at home, they were abysmal. They lost to Seton Hall 45-43. Then it took them a whole week almost to get back into shape, win by 24, and be where they're at right now. So there has to be a consistency. Alec, my thing is what has to be done to get that consistency in play?
2: Yeah, you know, it it feels like it's just something that's been nagging at them for a while now. Um, so right. I think they just gotta stick to their game. I mean right. like you said, they, they they show up and beat the uh beat the living daylights out of Indiana. Right. And then, you know, Seton Hall, nobody showed up, at least on the offensive yeah. end. Um and I think the fact that there seems to be more balance in the offense. I think that has something to do with it. Um there's not as many singular talents like we've been saying all year you know you have a geo baker ron harper jr guy that can really go up and get his own shot right um that is not as present this year all right um but at the same time you know there were games when baker and harper were you know not at their best and the team would really really struggle yeah so i think it's a balance that you have to find um to get get the ball in the hands of the go-to scorers um that this team does have so maybe a cam spencer maybe even a caleb mcconnell or a paul mulcahy right um and, yeah, just you know, try to keep at it, um, and I think this team is gonna grow a lot together and become more cohesive already more than they maybe already are right now, right uh, as the season goes on I mean, see, I mean, we're not even halfway through yet, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're what thirty something percent, so just about there's still plenty of of time left there and is. that's it seems like this team plays at their best when they have their backs against the wall, uh, like we saw last February, like we saw the year before that and the year before that, sure, um, so I think they just gotta stay the course. Um. Obviously, the defense has looked like one of the best in the country. I believe they're fourth in Ken Palm right now. They got jumped by UConn really a couple of days ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, unfortunate. But it is what it is. Right. Um. Yeah. It's it's all going to be on the offense as long as they can stay consistent and play within themselves and play off each other.
1: I want to touch on two things with with the offense. Number one is Cliff Mori. and Cliff had a great game. Fourteen points, nine rebounds. Almost had a double double once again this season. Um. That was a bounce back performance that Cliff needed and he got that. But again, during the stretch, even versus, you know, Indiana and Seton Hall, especially, Cliff was nowhere to be found. Cliff struggled, especially offensively, and the fouls really racked up against him. And hopefully that's not the case against Bucknell and Coppin State, but it is but if it is at Purdue, number one Purdue, this time not at Jersey Mike's in uh, you know, Indiana. If that happens to kick off your Big Ten slate of the season the rest of the way, January 2nd, 2023 in the Midwest, Cliff, if he's in that spot early, let's say he takes two, three fouls in a first, I don't know, 10 minutes, right? Let's say that happens. Where do you go from there? And,
2: yeah, that's something that they've been working on. Uh, it seems like Dean Reber's role is starting to shrink more, yeah, as, especially as compared to how it was last year. And
1: Wolfork is getting more of the time to really be that backup to Cliff. He is, You're yeah. He,
2: that. He's looked solid. Uh, it may not be, it may not exactly be showing on the stat sheet right now, but he looked, he's looked comfortable and solid in pretty much any matchup you can ask for. I mean, he even faced against Trace Jackson Davis against Indiana for some spot minutes there and looked good. Yeah. Um he looks he, he the biggest thing I can say is he looks comfortable and poised which as as a freshman especially one that you know hasn't been playing basketball full time all that much right. I mean, that's as much as you can ask for oh, so sure. I think they're going to keep building uh with the duo of, of Reber and Wolfolk so we'll see how that goes um and I think, well, I I really like Wolf. I really like how he's yeah. gonna look. Yeah. Maybe not even just this year, but in the future. Right. Um. Absolutely. Yeah. He looks really good so far. No,
1: I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, he could be that that replacement to Cliff. Like Cliff was the replacement to Miles Johnson. Maybe, maybe, maybe not in that regard. We'll find out. But again, Cliff, he can't he can't go on that slump again. And especially to kick off January, you can't find him in that spot. And let's say he is in that situation at Purdue, at, at Northwestern, at Michigan State, at Iowa. Those are the road games in January you know that that could be a little troubling possibly in some of these home games. My thing is also is Derek Simpson and Derek Simpson, seven points right? 26 minutes. Cam Spencer played seven less minutes than Derek Simpson and Cam Spencer put up eight more points than that freshman. So when it comes to giving Simpson more time but Spencer being able to put up more points in that one game, how do we break down that situation?
0: I mean, I think that boils down to what we spoke about last week, which is just, you know, they're playing different roles. You know, we're seeing more of Simpson coming in to give Paul Mulcahy a break sure. and being having him be the guy to bring the ball up. So he's not, he's not taking as many shots. I don't know how many shots uh, Derek Simpson took against Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to pull that up right now. But you and me both. <laughs> against Wake Forest, he was a three of six from the field for seven points. Okay, he was three of six right. from the field in twenty six minutes though. And Cam Spencer was five for five. But again, okay. you know, like like we were saying last week, it's just the different roles. And I think Steve Peichel is, you know, still trying to, f- you know, feel out these roles a little bit. Obviously, Cam Spencer and Derek Simpson both new to the team, right? And you know, both. Deserving of meaningful minutes, right, right? So, you know, it it's interesting to see that. I mean, you know, you also have Andre Hyatt, who came off the bench, ended up playing more minutes than Mou- two more minutes than Moat Mag, and, uh-huh. and you know, one had one extra bucket in on more shot attempts. You know, I mean, we were talking last week. We all, you know, I think we all kind of like Andre Hyatt, right? Right. So. You know, it's interesting to see, you know, how that evolves. I mean, to compare that a little bit, we saw that with the women's basketball team as well, where for the entire season, their leading scorer in Kayleen Smichael, was coming off the bench. Right. And finally, yesterday, she was elevated into the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Now, I'm not advocating, you know, Steve Peichel switching around his lineup, right, right, you right, know, right. all willy-nilly. Sure. But, you know... You never know who's gonna. I mean, we've seen games where Derek Simpson has, you know, almost twenty points. We've seen games last year where Paul Mulcahy puts up thirty points. You know, see, you know, while I I see your point, Alex, that you know Derek Simpson, you know, put up seven points in this game and played you know a couple more minutes than Cam Spencer. Yeah, I'm I'm a little hesitant to put too much stock into that, especially you know earlier in the season and it's such a such this kind of game you know we've talked about this before there's no preseason in college basketball you know so you just kind of you know you go through your non-conference schedule is your time to figure it out and Rutgers you know needs that time obviously right um and that kind of gives Steve Peichel a good sense of where he needs to go and what he needs to do with his team as as you mentioned Come January first, it's Big Ten basketball through till the end of the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously now is the time that, you know, it's time to really drill down <clears throat> because you've got you've got Bucknell this Saturday, right? Excuse me, this Friday, right? The Saturday after that, you play against uh, Coppin State. Against Coppin State, and then you've got. That following Monday is the is Purdue, mm-hmm. three days off. Then you play Maryland. Right. Three days off. Then you play Iowa. Another three days. Then you're at Northwestern. Yep. Three four days, and then you host, host, host Ohio, Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah. Four days, and then you're at Michigan State. You know they have just back to back to back strong Big Ten teams. Right. You know with only three or four days in between each one. No.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, and again, that's the Big Ten for you, and the Big Ten's gonna do that to you. Rutgers has, again, they're no slouch or they're no stranger to Big Ten action, obviously, since Steve Peichel's been the bench boss for the Rutgers men's basketball team. But, again, the same fear that I think we all have is that they can start strong, they can finish off December very well, but come January, especially when they hit the road, there are concerns, and we've seen, and we've seen this movie over and over and over again, where... Let's say they win, you know, their first few home games in January, but they lose their road games, you know, that doesn't really balance out too well for this Rutgers team, and, you know, it's it's the same thing again and again and again every season. We're hoping that that does not happen, but... When you have Cam Spencer, who again had a great game, and Derek Simpson, who's been getting more time, and even though you know he had that one great game versus Indiana, since then he's been kind of quiet. You know, uh, 26 minutes versus Wake Forest, seven points. He had eight minutes only in the Seton Hall loss. He had 13 minutes in the Ohio State game. So, following that one great performance of over 20 minutes and 14 points in the second half alone to win the game for you by 15. Following that, he's been kind of back and forth. And for Cam Spencer, he's been back and forth the entire season. And it took Cam Spencer finally to break out to a certain extent against a Power Five team this past Saturday. So when it comes to that whole situation, giving Spencer last time, you know, less time, but he put up more points, and Simpson more time, but he put up less points in that one game. My thing is, where do you kind of go from there? And maybe we'll see where they go exactly against Bucknell and Coppin but when it comes to Big Ten play the rest of the way in January, if that same thing happens again, who are you giving more time? Right now, you might want to say Camp Spencer. At the same time, some might want to say, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Camp Spencer's been struggling a little bit. Let's give the young buck some more time because he's the future of the team. And we saw what he can do against a Big Ten team in Indiana, who is no slouch either. So you kind of have that back-and-forth question of what are they going to do in that scenario. It's a, it's a tough question to, to to answer right now, but if that situation continues to arise the way it does, that can be a major question regarding the rotation come January. You mentioned, uh, again, we talk about that, you also mentioned Mawat Mag and Andre Hyatt. What's that gonna look like? Is high? Yeah. You know that that's also another tricky situation. Where Andre Hyatt had 24 minutes and eight and 10 points. Mawat Mag had eight uh, had eight points and 22 minutes versus versus Wake Forest this relatively past similar weekend. performances. Very similar, but Hyatt's more consistent. Personally, I, me, I agree. Personally, me, Alec, I would start Andre Hyatt over Mawat Mag. I think that's just me. At at the same time, um, you look at you know the whole little you know the thing is if that's another thing that rises up where we know Andre Andre Hyatt struggles with making big shots or making big layups in crucial moments what if you give Mwat Meg that role can he make up for that so you have these two scenarios of four separate players where your big man situation could play a role in your four uh, you know in in your number 4 slot and when it comes to a decent scorer off the bench or in the starting lineup you know, regarding Cam Spencer or Derek Simpson, who gets more time, who gets more of a chance to shine? So you have those two questions really going in. And, and 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 before we go to break, these two situations can really determine what this whole Rutgers team looks like as a whole when Big Ten play consumes the rest of the season.
0: Absolutely. And the one thing about Hyde and Mag is you said that you feel like Hyatt's a little bit more consistent on offense. And yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Right. I still think there's a case to be made, though, that Mag is the more consistent defender. You're not wrong. So in a world where, you know, obviously you need to play defense and you can't just rely on your reigning defensive player of the year, Ilya McConnell. And, you know, obviously when Cliff is locked in, you know, he's on patrol under the rim and he's going to lock it down. Sure. But, you know, you need those strong defenders and a guy like Moat Mag is a very solid defender and therefore it's important to get a guy like that into the game sure so you know i think that also plays into steve peckle's strategy when it comes to guys like guys like andre hyatt and and Moat mag and figuring out you know i have you know caleb mcconnell who can who can score you have paul McCahey in there who can score right cam spencer on a good day can score so, you know, you can understand Steve Peichel, you know, looking at Mount Mag, who maybe isn't as consistent on, on offense, but will really carry his weight on defense.
1: No, you're right indeed. And Alec, before we go to break, I think when it comes to my uh you know to Mag and Hyatt, I think you start Hyatt, but if Mag can make big shots, you put in Mag and and, and you take Hyatt out at the right time.
2: Yeah, I I'm okay with that because Mag has shown his own ability. Um, to get into the rim, and I think his specialty is that little in-between area, that little 10 to 15-foot area uh, from the rim. He has his little turnaround jumper that you know really works out really well. And like we've been saying, he's a high-level defender uh, and also a very good athlete, and that's something that Steve Peichel really values. He loves having long athletic defenders right. in games. And if you have a Absolutely. guy like Cam Spencer who can really score, um, I don't want to say it makes Hyatt redundant because Hyatt does his own things very of well. Of course course um
1: but he struggles when it comes to making the big shots in the big moments we've seen that happen consistently this season yes
2: we have um and I don't think ha- I don't think Meg is afraid of that moment sure um, but at the same time the ball's probably not going to be in his hands right uh, at least for that last shot so uh,
0: right. I think it's
2: definitely something that we may see go- Steve Peichel go back and forth on throughout the season depending on how it goes situationally
0: I I'm inclined to agree with you there you know that'll be very interesting as uh of course as we said 5 p.m. tip-off on Friday, so we'll start coverage right here on WRSU at 4.45 p.m. It'll be Christian Vasquez and David Palumbo on the call. We're going to step aside.
1: Locks of the week, locks of the week, locks of the week. It's a new crew, a new week, a new Monday show. The WRSU crew on 88.7 WRSU FM New Brunswick, also online at WRSU.org. I'm Alex Carbonati, Alec Krauthamel Moshe Golubchek. Gentlemen, it's Monday. We're almost towards the winter break, but it's still time for some locks. Who do we have going first? What's the deal? Who wants to kick us off? I assume Alec might be uh, our first uh, showstopper here. Yeah,
2: sure. I'll start us off. All right, so uh, tonight we have Monday Night Football. It's the Rams adding the Packers up in uh, up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Please
1: win this game. Please don't <laughs> lose the freaking Baker Mayfield. Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah, it's Baker Mayfield. Four and nine start. versus
0: five and eight. Such a beautiful yeah. game.
2: Oh man, this is this is gonna be an ugly game. I mean, if we're being honest. No, I know, I know. Uh, especially on a cold Monday night up in Wisconsin. I mean,
0: Steelers Raiders on on Saturday won't be That's, much oh, better. I'll be th- honest.
2: Yeah, this year's Christmas Day slate's gonna be yeesh. It's not, it's not pretty. But anyways, back to tonight's game. Uh, the spread on this game is Packers minus 7.5, and, and the over-under is 39.5. I'm going to take the under, and I'm going to take the Rams at plus 7.5. I don't think they're going to win, but I think it's going to be a one-possession game. Uh, so I think it's. I think the Packers are going to win a low-scoring close game tonight up in Lambeau.
1: I, look, as long as they win, I'll be happy. I don't care if they win by 20 points, by 3 points, by 2 points, by 1 single point. I really don't care. The, yeah. Beat Baker Mayfield. Beat the Rams. It's been a horrible season. It's been painful to watch. At this point, as long as you beat them and you win at home and you make me happy before you get blown out to the Dolphins on Christmas Day, I'll be satisfied. I mean, I mean, going into the year, those Christmas games, okay, not bad. Now, oh my goodness oh my i mean okay the rams and the broncos
2: oh that's going to be awful on christmas oh day oh my goodness that, on, that is terrible
1: and and to prove how bad it is it's on nickelodeon <laughs> That's where it deserves to be. It does that deserve to be on primetime television. It's the slime game. Exactly.
2: Yeah, too bad there's not going to be any slime for any touchdowns because neither team's going to be able to score. No.
1: Russell Wilson's going to sh- hurt his shoulder. He'll throw three picks. Baker Mayfield will probably throw seven, knowing him. I'll There'll be, be fumbles. There'll be turnovers. It'll, 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 it'll be a whole Oh, disaster. that's going to be
0: brutal. And, by the way, like I said, <clears throat> on Saturday, you got Raiders at Steelers. And I love my Steelers. I honestly think... The most exciting part of that game is going to be the retirement ceremony before the game of number thirty-two for Franco, Franco Harris, Harris. That's right. Which, honestly, can I just say, I love that they are doing it on that game because not only is it against the Raiders, yep. where of course the, you know, the immaculate reception. Yeah. Not only that, right? It is also the fifth. That day, yep. December twenty-fourth. Is the 50th anniversary of, of the, the Immaculate Reception. Wow. Yeah. Yep. By the way, did you know, in the city of Pittsburgh, there are actually at least three monuments to that catch. Really, I'm, I'm there not is, surprised. There is one in the what they call the Great Hall in Shore Stadium, of course, because
1: should have been Hines. Yeah, should still be Hines. Should still I be Hines. I agree. <laughs> yeah, should still. You be know, Hines much Steel. like
0: Jersey Mike's Arena is still the rack. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. So let me rephrase that. There is, a, of course, a monument to that catch in Heinz Field. Right. There is one in the airport, actually. The Pittsburgh airport. In the Pittsburgh airport, which they actually almost named after Mr. Rogers a few years ago. Really? Nice. Uh, they literally almost renamed it Fred Rogers Airport. Um, there is a statue of Frank O'Harris making the catch. And then, of course, my personal favorite, even though I've never actually been to it, but just the concept of it. Sure. They have a shrine to the Immaculate Reception I somewhere in Pittsburgh that there's just a TV screen that just plays it on loop 24-7. Oh, my oh, goodness. That's, is it just, like, on a street or whatever? <laughs> I'm not sure. Let me let me look it up real quick. Wow. Cool.
2: It's just like someone's backyard is, like, <laughs> constantly has a loop of the Immaculate Reception playing over and over and um, over. Let me see.
0: <laughs> the Immaculate Reception. Oh, no, that's the Immaculate Conception. That's a different thing. That was also a great event. I, I <laughs> that was, was a great event, yeah. too. Yeah, let's, uh, I don't know. It's just showing me, uh... Ugh, this is gonna mess up my targeted ads, that, isn't it? <laughs> that
1: that might have been the greatest event, the immaculate conception. But um, anyway,
0: I'm gonna change the topic here. No, but and no. go to uh, yeah. to NCAA basketball, where our friends, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, will be headed back tomorrow night to their to their home arena in Winston Salem, North Carolina, to host the Duke Blue Devils. Ooh. And that'll be an interesting game. Duke ten two, Wake Forest eight and four. So, an interesting matchup there in the ACC. Currently, the line is Duke minus seven. So, a nice a nice edge for the Devils, and an over under. Which box. Devils? The Blue Devils or the. the- The Blue Devils.
1: Oh, I'm thinking of the Devils. The Demon Deacons. That's who they are. The Demon Deacons. They're both Devils. I
0: don't know.
2: I would take Jack Hughes on a basketball court over (laughs) (laughs) Wade Forest, like what we saw on Saturday.
0: (laughs) Not bad. Well, that's a good segue into Karim. You're not wrong. Anyway. um, So, you got that minus seven going towards Duke and the over-under of 141. I'm going to say Duke's going to win this one. But I think Wake Forest can cover. Okay. So I'm going to say Duke for Duke to win, Wake Forest to cover. 141 is a good over under. I'm going to say the under hits. I know I I know I like to stick with the under. I'm going to go with it again here. You know. Sure. Actually, no. I'm going to change that cuz that's about 70 points per team. I'm going to change my mind here. I'm going to go with the over. Okay. I still think Duke to win, Wake Forest to cover. That's Ooh. fair. But I'm going to go with the over of 141.
1: The over makes sense there. The under in the Green Bay game, oh my goodness! Are you kidding oh. me?
0: Easily. What's yeah. the hold on? What's the over under in the uh, the game the Rams uh, Rams Broncos? It's, oh, it's probably gonna be like. It's 30. probably like thirty. Yeah. And the under should be the go. Yeah, exactly. But it's uh, like Rucker,
2: it's like a repeat of Rutgers Iowa. Oh my yeah.
1: goodness! Um, I would have uh, been shocked if it's twenty five somehow. Yeah. And under. Carm,
0: did uh, anything of note happen in nineteen ninety four? Maybe well, around June. May, May, June of that
1: year Before we get to that The Mock Messier guarantee <laughs> Took place this weekend I just uh-huh. want to say It happened Because they won by double
0: digits They did they won but, by 24. but your other guarantee Of the Andre Hyatt double-double Unfortunately Did
1: I say Andre Hyatt double-double? You, you did say Andre Hyatt double-double Did I say that really?
0: Uh you I don't said remember that, that You said that on uh, I think you said that on You didn't say it on Monday hey, You did you did. I don't remember that. I'm honestly. pretty sure you did. Maybe, well, well. We'll have to go back. We'll and, uh, have to go back to the check clip the later and
1: make sure.
0: But I don't remember
1: that. But I do remember guaranteeing.
0: You did say double digit win for the Scarlet Knights. And they won
1: by 24. But in 1994, Mark Messier of the New York Rangers guaranteed a Game Six victory in the Eastern Conference Finals against the New Jersey Devils. Sorry, Alec. Game oh. Six happened. That's right. Game six happened. (laughs) They won game six, and Messier scored a hat-trick. I guarantee we're going to win game six. They won game six. They forced a 3-3 tie game seven the next night at Madison Square Garden. Guess what happened in that game? Double overtime victory, Stefan Mateau the hero. The Rangers go to the final. The Rangers go on to play Vancouver in the Stanley Cup final. They win in seven. This will last a lifetime. That's what Sam Rosen said. Sam Rosen is not wrong. It's last a lifetime. And they haven't won since. They're not. They're not going to win for <laughs> for another f- 54 years. 94. Since Never 1994. More. They're kind of hot right now. They are a little hot right now, but the Devils are a better team. Right now they <sighs> are. I. Th- I. Right now the Devils are a better team, and it's funny because the Devils won the cup the next year. But I guarantee, like Marc Messier guaranteed on May 25th, 1994, I guarantee. That the Rams-Broncos horrific Christmas game will be a tie. <laughs> oh,
2: wow. really?
1: Wow. Wow. It will tie. They will tie. The <laughs> score? Couldn't tell you. Maybe 9-9, 0-0. 9 0-0. Nine, 3-3. Zero, zero, <laughs> zero,
0: zero. Three, three. Has there ever been a 0-0 zero, zero tie? No, probably not. Pro- uh, maybe. Actually, I, maybe, actually reason. no. I believe the lowest scoring game ever. I don't know if there's ever been a 2 nothing game. I know there was a 3 nothing game in the NFL that was actually Pittsburgh-Miami. Really? It was a brutal... It was, the, it was
2: the Mud Bowl. It
0: was the Mud Bowl. Mud Bowl. Monday night. If you look it up, like the most famous clip from that game is Pittsburgh punted. Uh, I think it was Pittsburgh punted. Okay. And the ball just goes up Lands in the mud and just stays there upright. Just <laughs> yeah, it's your, stays there. It was coming down,
1: funk. I mean, it gets stuck funny. in the mud. It was that? hilarious. Uh,
0: it was like in the 80s. The 80s? I, I think
2: it was 2007, actually.
1: Oh, no. I, was
0: I, thought it was really? the, I thought it was much more recent than that. I think it was 2007. Was it the mud <laughs> look it up. Just look up Mud Bowl, Dolphins, Two thousand seven 2007. Week oh, I thought 12. it was much earlier. Anyway, but uh, you see the ball just like. You see, like, a guy running towards the punt and just sticks, and he just goes, uh, what do I do now? Yeah, all the guys are expecting um, it
2: to, like, bounce backwards, and it, it gets, just gets yeah. stuck in the ground, the and everyone's Steelers, like, well, what do we do now? The oh
0: Steelers my- won 3 nothing on a walk-off field goal. You're kidding me. <laughs> it was brutal. By the way, did you see, speaking of yeah, last-second field goals in bad weather, of course, brings to mind the snow I'm game. I'm watching the
1: video right now. It's li- it's, it's literally <laughs> stuck it in the ground. It yeah. I- In Pittsburgh.
0: <laughs> um... I'm thinking, of course, of the snowplow game. Did you see yesterday? I believe it was the Bu- uh No, it wasn't the Bucks. Who played? Who did the Bills play yesterday?
2: Oh, the the Bills and the Dolphins. The when Dolphins. They, uh, they had when, to stop when, the game.
0: No, not that they had to stop. Not just that, but I think it was the Bills' offensive line had to stop, and literally they couldn't use a towel or anything like that because that's illegal. They apparently just took their hands and just cleared the snow. That
2: reminds me of wow. um. That reminds me of when the Bills and the Colts played in another like big snow game. <laughs> And the Colts had scored a touchdown and were, had an extra point to tie the game. So they like, the the Bills were, or it was the Colts, they were doing something to stall. And so while that was going on, all the blockers for the Colts were just like kicking <laughs> the snow around, trying to find a good spot to hold for <laughs> Vinatieri. And that was the game when Vinatieri kicked the extra point. It pretty much like boomeranged. It went wide left and then blew back through the uprights. It was wow. really funny because as it was going wide left, all the Bills were celebrating because they thought it was no good and then it went, it, and then it went in. Right. Hilarious. I love do snow you, games.
0: Do you remember, I think it was week one this year, you had the Bears, I don't remember who they were playing, <clears throat> but it was a brutally rainy day, like, the Bears went s- and slip and sliding oh, was, on the oh, field. Oh, oh wow. Well, no, that was uh, against Sanford. the 49ers. Sanford, Sanford. yeah, yeah. The Bills and, and they, not the Bills, the Bears, and, and, and they and, yeah. they had a 45-yard field goal set up, or a, a 35-yard field goal, yeah, and, or something like that, or... It was like yeah, it was like a 39-yard field goal, and the punter used a towel to dry the spot where he was going to hold it, and then just kind of threw the towel away. That was actually called unsportsmanlike conduct. You're kidding me for quote, and I quote the referee: improper use of towel. <laughs> because, That's hilarious. Because after the snowplow game, they said you cannot use anything to dry the field. Wow. So he used a towel to wipe the field. Got called for unsportsmanlike conduct. It pushed them out of field goal range. And they ended up losing. The game. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, well,
1: I didn't know that. It was
0: it was just it was the funniest thing. Also, I just I know it's a little bit of a tangent. I love watching NFL referees say really funny things. Um, like I mean, my two personal favorites are, you know, one is back in the day in the old Jets days, Marty Lyons, you know. After he had the quarterback down, he was giving him the business down there. <laughs> I, l- I love that, And then, yeah. no, my my personal favorite was actually during a Pro Bowl in, I want to say, 2012. The first penalty happened at the very end of the second quarter. It was like a blatant pass interference. I remember this. And Ed Hockley turns on his mic, looks directly at the camera and goes, yes, there are penalties in the Pro Bowl. And then announces the pass interference. The thing, yeah. <laughs> and the announcers are just laughing. Like Wow. some... Actually no, and then my fa- one of my other favorites is false start, everyone but the center. I love when that happens. I love that because <laughs> the entire line just moves, and the center's just like, "Got, gu- got, gu- guys, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I still have the ball."
0: <laughs> yeah, and then there's the very rare false start on the center. Yeah,
1: but in nine, but again, I guarantee, and you can quote me on this because I'm going to say it multiple times this week before I leave on Thursday for Long Island. I guarantee a Rams Broncos tie on Christmas Day in the Nickelodeon Slime slime Game. And Where is that game? In, in Denver? It's in L.A., I think. Oh, actually. it's in L.A. I think it's at SoFi Stadium. But I guarantee a tie. I guarantee a tie between two horrific teams, two teams that – Oh my goodness! I I know children that can play better than, than those two teams right now.
2: Hey, the kids in Nickelodeon that'll be watching. <laughs> That's right. They'll
1: have um they'll have SpongeBob and iCarly and uh, Zoe 101 and the rest of the crew <laughs> play better than the uh, the Rams and a Broncos. Or um what well, what's on Nickelodeon now? Even these days, I don't even know
2: That's what's a on Nickelodeon question. anymore. Good question. It's it's not like it was. No, it's not. It's
0: I don't. I don't even know. I like, remember the iCarly. I just watched the OG Nickelodeon shows on Netflix when I got bored. I remember. Bored.
1: Yeah. I remember iCarly. I remember SpongeBob. I remember uh, Zoe 101. Wasn't Drake and Josh there too? Drake yes, and Josh was Drake pre iCarly. Oh, was it pre iCarly? Because
0: Miranda Cosgrove is on both. Yeah. That was um, when she was Megan. Yes. Oh, I don't she know. was Megan, Megan before she was Carly.
2: Yeah.
1: But you had all those shows. Yeah. And with how bad the game is going to be, you're better off bringing all those old characters back to play football <laughs> than Baker Mayfield <laughs> and Russell Wilson throw the ball. Wow. I mean, come on. Oh, that, no. That Aaron is...
2: Donald is out. Who's that? It's Drake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's Drake Bell.
1: Hey, Josh, go in there. Make that tackle, <laughs> yeah, pal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> throw some slime at him. Yeah. Like,
1: I'm, no, I mean, I mean that game's going to be horrible. It's yeah. going to be an awful game. But, I, and it could that be going to be brutal. It could be 9 to 9. It could somehow be twenty. 20, which it probably won't, whatever and it is, I guarantee a tie. You Just forgot
0: <laughs> the most important part of the Nickelodeon game. You have that? Young Sheldon explaining the penalties. That's oh, right. Shel- oh, also, oh wait, really? Isn't
2: Young Sheldon like on CBS? Yes, yeah. on CBS. Yeah, that, yeah, but it's, CBS. it's it's
0: it's, the same, I mean, it's, it's simulca- the same. I get
2: that it's simulcast
0: on CBS and Nickelodeon. No, but it's but the like, same. It's the same property. Like oh, Paramount. Paramount. It's all Paramount, all Paramount owns CBS uh, and yeah. Nickelodeon. Got it. Yeah. got it. Got it. Got right. it. So it seems like our uh, our locks of the week kind of kind of turn into a little bit of a can we just talk? I, I guess. so But on that note, I think we're gonna step aside once more. Still plenty more to come. You're listening to The Crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at wrsu.org. Tune in for your
1: dose of groove on In the Groove with me, your host, Dante Tindola. Wednesday nights. 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here on WRSU FM New Brunswick 88.7 and online at wrsu.org. Kicks out now McConnell. Right wing triple money. Now Miller at the three-point line. Pete's inside. Amore one-hand slam. Number 10, Indiana. Absolutely torn to shreds at Jersey Mike's Arena.
0: Fire. The Rutgers men's basketball team has been on fire. The Scarlet Knights enter Big Ten play, looking to keep the flame lit in the brunt of their schedule. Join us for live coverage of every game from Piscataway or anywhere in the country on 88.7 FM or at wrsu.org.
1: Can we just talk, we just we
2: just talk, talk on the Monday crew here on 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick. Alec Krauthamil here with Alex Carmenati and Moshe Golubchik. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting week for Can We Just Talk, so I guess would we that like to is. spin the wheel?
1: I would love I, to spin the wheel. I think we wheel. should spin the wheel. Let's Let me spin just, the wheel. Let's see how uh, it goes. Just give me a second. Let me go in the back, pull it out, make sure uh, it's yeah. all nice and clean and lovely and... We oh, gotta make wow. sure we take care of it. Yeah, I mean, look, look. When you got Gideon Fox making sure the wheel is all nice and clean and, and lovely and bedazzled, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it's just mounted on the wall here in the studio too. I mean, Gideon he comes in day in and day out, except for the weekends, obviously. He comes in Monday to Friday. He <laughs> he he grabs the uh, the Kleenex, the spray, all that stuff. He makes sure the wheel is nice and lovely and shiny. <laughs> And now because the wheel is nice and lovely and shiny thanks to Captain Fox, and as is the last week of the fall crew, let's spin that beautiful wheel. Let's Let's, give it a spin. All right. You ready? You ready? Let's do it. I am ready. Boom. Here she comes. (laughs) <laughs> Look who it chose! It chose Alec. Of course, oh it did. Oh my goodness! It's sp- wow! Of course, it did. What do you know? It was spinning around. It almost went on Ed the shed somehow, yeah, even he's though not he's, even not not even he's not true. here.
0: But it just hit good old Alec Krauthammer. I don't, it did. Unlike last week, I don't think that was a fix. No, I think that was. No, 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 I graciously
1: accept the wheel. What are we talking about, sir?
2: Well, you know, it's the last. It's the last week of. Uh, of, of. Of. Of officially, it's officially the last week. Of all classes, it's finals week. finals week. Hope all of our listeners who are Rutgers students are doing well with their finals and managing everything well. Of course, of course. Best of luck to everyone, including those who could not be here on the crew tonight. Um, (laughs) So let's see. It's... uh, it also means the uh, all the dining halls close in the next few days as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm now desperately
0: trying to use all of my meal. I was about swipes. to say. I wonder how many meal swipes go unused. I mean, oh, I'm on. a good I'm on Probably a modified a meal. Pl- I'm not on the Rutgers dining plan. I'm at the. I'm on the meal plan at the uh, the Chabad house. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Um, you just you sign up for it. Okay. Um, it's private, so you just fill out a form, give them some money, and. They say you Okay, go. you're on the meal plan now. Wow. So I'm it's on a, everything in the works. Yeah, I'm on a lowered I'm on a reduced rate meal plan because I also have a house so I can kinda cook for myself. How much is that? Um I get eighty meals per semester. Oh wow. Um that except is. that it's about it averages out to five a week. Okay. Except I spoke to uh to our dining coordinator last week and apparently I've only used about forty <laughs> Wow.
1: Oh uh, I think m- it's now one hundred and fifty. They put it up to one hundred and fifty this semester, at least. And I, I can't have, use it uh, Brown Cafe West either. Ugh, I have about, I think I have twelve or eleven left. Okay, so that's, so yeah, that's not bad. And yeah. keep in mind, I had a kidney stone. Yeah,
0: oh, and with that's, that that's kidney right stone, did. I Oof. I didn't have
1: Cafe you West or none of this stuff anything. for a few days. Exactly, yeah. for a few days, I had none of this stuff. So, that, yeah, and and that was at least four or five days. No,
0: that's that's pretty good. You know, use yeah. up. All but twelve, and you still got a couple of days. Like you said, you're here till Thursday. You could reasonably use up, yeah. you know, all of them. Probably all of them by then. I
1: end up using them up all to begin with, and especially now
0: you got, you know, everything's open late for midnight breakfast and the like. Right, right. No, it's true. That's true.
1: And honestly, I think
0: if you have 150 swipes and you end up with three left over, it's not I, that bad. I, I think that's not so bad. No, no.
1: If, you, but if you have like 90 or 80 left over, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's a, lot. a lot. There Definitely. are folks who have that. Oh no. oh no, absolutely. Yeah. There are folks so, who pay the one fifty or whatever it is, they barely use it, and they end up having eighty left over and they're begging people, please take my meal swipe,
0: please. Yeah. Like- my, my girlf- okay, sure. My girlfriend's up in Binghamton, so there they actually they let you roll a certain amount of meal, sw- meal swipes over to, to the next semester. semester. So, they should do that here at Rutgers. So, I wish so they She did. actually she had enough swipes that she's been rolling over that between the fact that she lives in an apartment off campus and right. cooks for herself. She actually didn't have to buy any uh, any swipes f- for this semester. She was just able to. That's that work that's with great. what she had. Oh, because that's enough
2: great. of them were were
0: available from last semester. Yeah, right. she just she had enough. And like I said, she uh, she cooks for herself. She meal preps, so she was able to. Uh, to I'm gonna make start it work. learning
1: to cook for myself. I I have yeah, been to a certain extent. I had, extent. To, I had I to learn been.
0: how to. I tried to learn how to cook a little bit this summer. Not as much as I wanted to, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, help mom in the kitchen a little bit. And uh, learn to cook. You know, I mean, my meals are pretty simple. Sure. You know, I go buy a pack of chicken and a box of rice, and that'll last me a couple of days. There you go. Um, so you know, I'm I'm a pretty straightforward guy. You know, throw some breading on a chicken and call it a day. You know, or some some eggo waffles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm learning how to, and I've been doing it a little bit. I've been making some oatmeal, little little easier. I've been I've been cooking eggs recently too, actually. My pastor's wife, oh my goodness. First off, keep in mind, she's a mother of nine children, number one. Keep that in mind. Yep. That's awesome. She is an incredible cook. And I've had the pleasure of learning under her to cook eggs and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm telling you. By by her teaching me this that and the other, my goal is to be like uh, frickin', uh, the, uh the 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 uh, the nice version of Gordon uh, what's his name Gordon Ramsay or whatever. I want to. I mean, she's an incredible cook, and I've had the fortune to you know cook some things with her and what have you. I might uh, you know I hope to cook a little bit more and going on there. Hopefully that'll build up to something. But uh, but no, I mean, a lot of the food here is good at Rutgers. A lot of it just filled with so much sodium too. Yeah. Cafe West, like, I've had two kidney stones here here at Rutgers too. Ouch! I've had two kidney stones Yosey. here at Rutgers, and both times my main source of food has come from Cafe West.
0: That is that is abysmal. So,
1: I'm and and again the food's great. Not not knocking. Well, except for Brower. not knocking. You know you know things here at Rutgers, but. Um, it's good when you're when you have that balance and I'm starting to realize that more of, you know, the swipes and you get whatever at Cafe West or Livy or Bush or even Brower if you have to or Nielsen or whatever. If you have that balance between the dining hall and if you can cook yourself eggs, oatmeal, cereal, or just in general anything on the stove. Eggs, waffles, toast, uh, you know, an omelette, chicken, rice, you know, whatever. So that's a good balance to have. And I hope to have that. And I'll tell you this much: if you want to learn how to cook, and Alec, if you, if you want to learn how to cook, my pastor's wife is the uh, the top place to go. I'll tell you that much.
2: Really? I oh mean, yeah. It, it, if you're a mother of nine, I would assume that you gotta, you know, be pretty proficient at uh, at cooking. Yeah. yeah. Unless she's you want to spend a fortune on dinner every night. Yeah. No, no,
1: yeah, exactly. No, she's wow. I mean, incredible,
0: yeah. incredible cook. I mean that's phenomenal. That, I agree with you there, Alec. You gotta. You got to be able to hold your own if you have that many kids. I mean, there are a lot of people in the Jewish community as well. Um, one of the rabbis at uh, at the Chabad actually, sure. he also has, I think, nine kids. Really? He's oh my He's got goodness. a bunch of grandkids. Wow, that's great. It's, uh, you know, I I don't it. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. Oh, no, it is. And especially, is you know, especially you know these people. These some of these people have you know ten kids and ten pregnancies. Like. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> like, 10 pregnancies in, like, 13 to 15 years. Like, that's just. <laughs> well, well, it's God's grace. That's
1: number one. <laughs> Absolutely. But it is. At, at the same time, it is, um, you know. But, no, I would just. I mean, It's incredible. Before we step aside, any f- specific fun plans for the winter break for you gentlemen? Anything going on at all?
0: Um, I mean, I'm gonna, you know, just spend some time relaxing. I got a part-time job doing some tech for my mom's school. Oh, very nice. Spend some time with, uh, my beloved ambulance corps at home. And then, uh, actually, my first WRSU road trip, January 15th, I will be joining our wonderful general manager, Dennis Geisler, at the Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. Oh,
1: very nice, sir. Interesting. Very nice, indeed. Yes, yes. Mr. Krauthamel.
2: Yeah, uh... On Friday, December thirtieth, my good buddy Dylan Allen and I will be heading out. Assistant Sports Director Dylan Allen. Oh, and to I, uh, State College, right? Yeah, we will be heading out to State College very for the nice. Rutgers oh. uh, Penn State game. Very nice. Um, very nice. Probably gonna get some work in at home. You nice. Know, do take some shifts here and there at some wherever businesses in my hometown that will have me. Um, and yeah, should be a pretty pretty fun break. We'll see.
1: I'll tell you, I have the pleasure of traveling with Ed the Shed Collegi. January and that's a
0: that's a twofer.
1: It is a twofer because uh, Ed the Shed and I we're going to Chicago for for the Northwestern game, and then we're going to Minnesota the next day from O'Hare, and while we're in Minnesota and Chicago, we're gonna be uh, taking a tour of the U.S. Bank Stadium, the
0: Viking a Stadium. Beautiful stadium. It's
1: incredible. It's massive. Oh my goodness.
0: Which which game is uh which game is which? The men's and the women's?
1: The men's are Northwestern, the women are Minnesota. Right. So that's happening then. We're gonna take a tour of the US Bank Stadium in Minnesota. Uh also go to to the Mall of America.
0: Of course. And gotta. I'm
1: hoping by the time, you know, twenty twenty three actually rolls around. My friend Ed the Shed and I, we, we might take a tour of Wrigley Field, too, in Chicago while we're there. That so, would be cool. Yeah, wow. yeah. So we're, we're, we're looking to have some fun while we're out in the uh, the cold Midwest for a few days. That'd be really fun. So I'm looking at Wrigley. I'm looking at uh, – and, and, again, we, we have the U.S. Bank Stadium tour all set, but we're going to be in good old Chicago, good old Minnesota – have some fun times there. Hopefully, both teams can win. You know, if if that Rutgers be... men's basketball can beat Northwestern and the women can beat Minnesota at the old Williams Arena, that'd be uh, you know a pretty nice trip. And uh, Eddie Clegg and I will be very very happy by the time we return in Newark on January 13th. Wow. So yeah, no, it should be fun. And there's plenty more fun coming on the crew before we get to our winter break and the rest of the jamming packed action going on by the time this semester ends.